0: So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Oh. Regan again. And Larkham. kefu oh. he get
1: it? the match
0: And you're back with another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Just our standard crew, me and Leo, coming at you today. Uh, no special guests to speak of. And Low won. Wow. Wow, Leo. Like, we talked about it last week. We managed our expectations. We were hoping for a close one. I don't think anyone expected to see this.
1: No, certainly not. We, um... We'll talk about what we thought of the team when we first uh, saw it named, and the and the uncertainty that introduced. For me, it actually pushed the line further out. I was I was more concerned that we were throwing some new names in here. But look, all the debutants stood up. Uh, there's there's not really a player out there who didn't have a have a very strong game, and to be to be in a position in multiple parts of of the late match, um, including in the extra time, where there was opportunities to win this match, not just the kick hitting the post. Like that's, that's heart wrenching for, for, poor Hodge, the specialist distance kicker. Mm. Um, but, you know, these guys have earned a lot of opportunities to, to win the game. And unfortunately it didn't come off, but they were, they were composed enough to contain the all blacks and, and get away with a draw. So I mean, it just leaves it, leaves it all poised for another week. Uh, the teams are feeling each other out and, and there's a bit of new blood in there and, yeah it's super exciting like what, what a way to start the international season
0: so you mentioned it before take me back to when this team got announced at the end of last week we sort of touted what we thought was going to happen and we did throw a few of these names out there we talked about the storylines of Hunter Paisami of Filippo Dalguni their names have been tossed around a lot the same with Matt Phillip and so we did get a little bit a little bit surprised with some of these selections, but not completely. What was your first thought on seeing this team? You said it changed your margin.
1: That's right. the The mixture of Hunter Paisami and Filippo Dalgunu in the backs that that was a bit of a concern. But I guess you look at the squad we've got, and there's there's not a whole lot of con- continuity available in those positions. Like we've got a few guys like Patea, like Dane Hallett, Petty, who aren't 100% fitness. And I do appreciate and respect that Rennie decided he wasn't going to consider anyone who wasn't 100% fit. You can't afford to take someone in who may take may take an unfortunate hit to an area that they're already carrying a an injury and, mm. and be you know carted off within the first 20. Like That's just going to put you on the back foot for the rest of the game. So uh given who was available and the form coming out of super rugby au i think i think you can easily justify the decisions and down you know again in the game they they absolutely justified the the, the selection um harry wilson i i've been confident all this time that he was going to be starting surprised that he wasn't at number 8 uh pete samu's obviously had a great super rugby au season 2 and and held on to that jersey uh or picked it up i suppose since nice Serrani was was the last incumbent? That's but, it. Yeah, but but again, both of them um, with Michael Hooper combined to be a, a pretty staunch back row, uh, upset the, the All Blacks at times as well. Uh, definitely definitely kept the heat on Sam Kane, who I thought had a pretty good game. Um, you know these mixtures in our teams, like they they stood up really well. You got new combinations in the locks, new ish combinations in the front row obviously new combi- combinations out wide and, and in the back row. Uh, and I guess Nick White and James O'Connor haven't spent much time together either, but that's a very mature pairing and they they perform very well. They utilize their skills particularly well and, and James O'Connor really sort of started lighting it up late in the game, uh, which is good to see. So um, it, it did shake my confidence a bit seeing those debutantes in this, and the mix of guys. I thought they might go a bit more conservative, but... I I like Rennie's take on things. He's just there to, you know, this is the best team. We're going to take this team into game one. We're going to prepare well and we're going to be ready.
0: Absolutely. And I really liked that we got a good sense of um, the purpose behind some of these selections. I mean, someone that we were surprised missed out was Tate McDermott. But uh, Rennie came out with a very solid look. I think he's got a lot of talent, but we really want to think about our territory and our box-kicking and between Nick White and Jake Gordon, these guys have what what he believes sort of better skills in that area. And like it came to fruition on the day, like kicking in that windy sort of cauldron um, down there at the cake tin was absolutely uh, essential for the Wallabies' success on the weekend. Last last week, Leo, you said that you didn't want to see Marika and Filippo Dalguno on the same starting lineup. Have you changed your thoughts on after seeing that this weekend?
1: I guess I have to. Like they, they proved that uh they were, you know, both individually very strong um when they were getting the ball in their space. The blacks didn't seem to target either particularly. I think they put up a couple of high balls for Filippo Dalgunu, but he took them pretty pretty comfortably. Yep. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, you don't want to get a name in your, at the start of your career for being a, a was under the high ball. So uh, I don't think they found any chinks in the armour out wide, which is really good. So I guess that proves that they are a compatible pair. Um, when we start talking about the game, I, something I think we didn't see enough of was Marika coming in and, and running those lines in, in play, in, in sort of inside the 10 or, or around the ruck. Um, that felt like an underutilized weapon. Um, you know, that that aside, like they, they didn't really show any weakness and we, I don't think we saw all the good they have to offer. So, yeah, absolutely, I, I think we can persevere with that combination. Um, I, I was definitely slow to get on the Filippo Dalgunu bandwagon uh, this season. I, I just didn't think he was quite composed enough to be really considered as a Wallabies winger and, and he's proven me wrong through to now.
0: Absolutely, and I think most people thought he was sort of the breakout player of the whole game, really, um, with impressive showings. Going to the game, um, so as I said, windy, starting with a spitter, some spitting rain early in the first half, came to a bit of a downpour in the second half. I can, I can vouch no one actually moved from their seat despite the pouring rain in that second half. Everyone was that um, keyed in and focused on the game and no one could take their eyes off. So we had, obviously, a bit of a disjointed start from the Australians. They were getting some good territory, getting some good ball position, but kept turning it over in the All Blacks 22. You talked about Sam Kane sort of doing this, and then the All Blacks go back down and capitalise on a couple mistakes and with a Geordie Barrett try down the other end and almost end up being two tries up by half-time, um, except for a Rico Iwani era.
1: Yeah, really really frustrating that the Wallabies did so many things right but couldn't be precise enough at the ruck um, to, to keep people like Sam Kane out of the game. Uh, I think there was some pretty average uh, officiating around the ruck throughout this game. I think there were times when the All Blacks particularly were on the ball and didn't get rewarded. Uh, but also times when the critical times when they weren't really on the ball and they were awarded and we were penalized, so it just felt like that the Paul Williams didn't have a really good eye for the ruck, particularly the the competition and uh, you know the back rowers trying to pinch the ball and't feel like that got reft to reality um so that that took that took our momentum away that it's interesting i in the moment. Um, the the first All Blacks try, that, that turnover off the set piece, just looked awful. And you just think, oh, we're just, you know, basic skills. What are we doing? We fumble a ball, we give it up to them, and they go length of the field and counter. Same old, same old. Looking back and, and through the replays, you can see Folau Fainga, who took that uh, sort of rap ball off the line out. He's there. He's he's a skillful player. He has the, the basics to, to, you know, throw throw pop passes or spread it mm. wide whatever is you know supposed to be doing in that situation and clearly he saw that Cody Taylor had moved in on I think it was Marika who was coming yeah. through on on his outside but sort of between the line out and and Folau. Um, and he he made to pass the ball and then he, he realized like that Cody was he yeah. he did and he tried to you know reel it back in and it would just gone too far so in that sense i guess you know think about the process. So the process is good. The the set piece uh, sets you up to have a two on one. The guy with the ball needs to make the decision, am I taking it or is he committed to me? Am I passing it? And I guess the only problem there was Cody Taylor had eyes for both players and, and made a good decision. And you know, you either you either let that ball go and have Marika get tackled and, you know, hopefully at least you've still got possession. Maybe it's not a dominant tackle. Or you try and reel it back in. And I guess um, Fanger will regret that he he tried to reel it back in too late. But ultimately, everything we did there was pretty good up to that point. And even the fact that Fanger was that uh, conscious of what was going on, that he tried to get it back, he could see where the space was. So the vision is there too. Um, But it did just felt like Groundhog Day, them running off, going length of the field, spreading the ball edge, edge to edge. And that's that's where they're lethal. Um, it did feel like in this first half particularly, they didn't try anything too expansive and they did just look for opportunities to turn over and counter on us.
0: Yeah. They definitely seemed to be looking for that. And it was feeling like it was going to go that way of we'd keep getting down there, turn over the ball, they'd just run it all the way back and either score a trial or a penalty. and. <clears throat> How important do you think the fact that Rico Ioani um, bobbled that ball uh, for the try coming into half time makes it? Does it does it completely change the ball game? Because I, I thought the half was over. I'd, I'd left my seat and I suddenly hit this roar and I run back in to find the All Blacks halfway down the field. And then I, I saw the bounce. He, he's diving the bounce of the ball off. And I'm like, that doesn't look right. And sure enough, he's knocked it on. And it's not the first time he's managed to do that. And a lot of people were criticizing him just for being too cocky with it, and um, he's saying a lot of other players. You won't see them trying that. They're always going to keep it in the bread basket and dive down. And a lot of people calling for potentially him to lose his spot um, just off that sort of error alone.
1: Yeah, um, I think that you know, if if he demonstrated multiple other misjudgments in the game, then maybe that's warranted. Um, I mean, it's a massive let off for us, massive, because that's that's the backbreaker. That's I think we even talked about it last week that you, your success in this game will be to grind out the first half. Don't let them score on you late when when you're tired, um, and then look to look to make make hay in the second half when you can start trying to create some um, you know some overlap, some advantage, some numbers advantage. Um, some good sort of profitable matchups. So no, it's a huge thing that they didn't score that. Like it was out, uh, it was out fairly wide. It was probably just outside the fifteen, wasn't it, toward the corner. So yeah, it's yeah, like it, it's not necessarily a guaranteed kick, and none of the kickers had a good night in that wind. So you know maybe it's maybe it is only um a a small margin ahead in half time, but m- you know mentally that's a huge thing to get scored on that late and. I I said it in our little um, chat back and forth at the time. There's certain teams and certain uh, groups who just wouldn't do that. Like, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't so much that it was like, cr- you know, crazy how casual he was being. That's just that's just how, you know, that's his, you know, maybe not his flair, but his, you know, his style of, of you know. Yeah, he's always, down friends, and, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he was being showy or, or cocky in that moment there and then, because I think he's actually uh, not a particularly cocky player. Um, but, you know, other players would know, you know, it's an analytics thing almost, that you you keep the ball on the chest and you fall over the line and the chance of stuffing that up is, you know, you can't measure it. Whereas... The chance of stuffing up a put down in the rain and some wind, and you know when you're fatigued at the end of a half, there's just risk involved. And you shouldn't, you should know as a player, do the safe thing, just drop, you know, keep the ball in hand and drop on the line, drop over the line. It's it should have been points. He shouldn't have made that mistake. And if he does lose his spot, yeah, I mean that's a big that's a big part of it. You you've got to show that maturity um, to be to be sort of uh, playing in the moment and recognizing, you know. I'm going, to, I'm going to put this down, not going to leave any room for error.
0: Mm. I mean, a lot of people then did call it karma as well for the fact that he did have a foot on the line in the lead up to that first try. Um, That's right. Angus Gardner's that. side. So called it karma. We'll, don't
1: worry, we'll it... talk about Angus Gardner's performance later.
0: <laughs> yeah, some question marks, some question marks. But to go into the half, 8 3, um, the big things that I saw was. Look, obviously, ruck time, we were still a little bit prone to those turnovers, especially deep in their half. Line-outs seemed to be a big issue. The first three defensive line-outs, we failed to even get anyone jumping up in competition against the All Blacks, which I thought was I would, really... I wouldn't say
1: failed. That was a conscious decision. No one... They didn't go up on purpose. There was no one... There was not confusion and not getting lifted in time. No one was being lifted.
0: But why? Why would you... Are you just that know. worried for the the quick ball out that you need everyone sprinting out? It just makes I don't know. That was something that I didn't like seeing and then our own ball wasn't um particularly secure either. Um which I mean no, like, the lineouts were
1: definitely a weak spot for us. Yeah.
0: And I mean very windy days you can sort of give a little bit of a part into maybe for for maybe not the the best throwing in this one. The other thing I saw which was a really positive thing, um This is on top of seeing the work of some of our debutantes, I think. Um, Filippo Dalguno just showed out in that first half. I've never seen um, a wing sort of patrolled by George Bridge um, leak sort of so many metres every time they went down that right-hand edge. Harry Wilson and Filippo Dalguno sort of combining in almost um, like a league sort of wing pairing with the second row and Winger there sort of fighting down the edge seemed to work really well. And the other thing, we got rid of the pods, no more forward pods. It was great. We were having um we're having Taniella Tupo having our like first receiver half the time and being allowed to take it if he wanted, to give a short ball if he wanted, or to fling it out the back. And that's the man you want doing that sort of stuff. He's very skillful, got great hands, and he's got good vision. And it's it's no longer giving it to one of our lumbering second rowers, aka Rob Simmons, to have that job. You've got someone that's got skills, that's got acceleration, and is gonna get you on the front foot somewhere.
1: Yeah, that, that worked really well. got um, Godi's God, left to right passing is solid. Like that's, I, just, I don't know if he's right handed or left handed, but that is by far my weakest side. I, I, there's no way I can throw a pass that cleanly, and he's doing it at pace, flat at the line, um, and get yeah, getting it out to that. That right wing, where that little, that little, just a little piece of Reds combination and and familiarity, just made hay all game. Um, and again, maybe, you know, maybe that's part of um, the strategy. Like when you've got your back row and you spread them out, you say you're gonna sort of sit in the right hand channel, you're gonna hang out with the backs on the left hand channel, like knowing that you can put those little combinations together and get, get a little bit more out of it. Um, there was a chance for Harry Wilson. Uh, I think Pete Samu was with him too, to to get away uh, off, I think it was Dalguni's first break. When he went to ground, he, he threw it up, and Harry Wilson was just probably a little bit too advanced, and it came quite late and, and really straight mm. up from the ground um, and, and just sort of went up and forward off his hands. But, you know, those are all opportunities, and the All Blacks, oh, for taking all those sorts of opportunities, you're breaking out, you're behind the line, you know, take the chance and trust your defence will keep you in the game and take all those chances because the more shots you take, the more likely you are to break out and get one right. So, um, all, all good things, and, that, and that's what kept us in that first half. All those, all those opportunities, um, and just unfortunately, they they seem to all fall apart. Either in that situation, which is to me acceptable that you, you know, you take the chance whether you've got advantage or not. If it's if it's an opportunity to break out, and score a try, you take it, but. It's the imprecision at the ruck um, that allowed people like Sam Kane to just come in and, yeah. and um, put, a, put a stop on us so quickly. And I'm glad that that changed in the second half.
0: Absolutely. So second half starts off, and again, early on, we get sort of a bit of momentum. We get an early penalty. We miss a reasonably straightforward kicker goal. Again, no, neither kickers on either side had um, a great sort of night there just due to... Difficult conditions, and then we concede a quick, easy try um, off the back of the line out, going back inside to Aaron Smith. I mean, you can insulting, you can can delve into sort of, yeah, exactly, playing the same move that they then then took off us. And I mean, you can break it down, maybe people getting held back, maybe people are not in the right space, but they scored. But the biggest takeaway I had from that because. I've watched Wallaby's teams for the last 10 years, and when something like that happens, they drop their heads. They very, very rarely are able to come back from something like that. Losing points and then conceding a try from an All Blacks team, it's very rare that they can get themselves together. So I think the resilience they showed to then start to fight back into this game um, was probably one of the most impressive sort of parts of this game for me. Um, yeah, it really showed me a little bit of what I think Rennie's trying to instill in these guys.
1: For sure, like well, that's that's a big part of starting with this new squad, new four year cycle, uh, debutants, left, right, center, bench. You've got to you've got to instill that that freshness and the the opportunism in them, so they don't see that and you know immediately cast their minds back. Whether yeah. they've played or not, you know you don't want debutants thinking, "Oh, I've seen this before from the couch." They always do this. You don't want guys who've had it happen to them twenty times in their hundred-test career think the same thing. You, you need them to to just go, "Okay, points, no worries, we'll get them back." Heads up, we've got heaps of opportunities. We've been, you know, we've been uh, unlucky, unlucky so far. The points will come, and they did come. And yeah, um, you know, right. it, it took us getting it out wide and and. Um, you know having it having our own little cheeky cheeky ankle taps and things as well in the mix i don't think that really played into marika's try no and it, yeah yeah
0: like
1: uh, that's we, we beat them around the edges we found the space our wingers were both good enough to finish um you know we, we matched them for tries do we not
0: that's right so yeah
1: that's you know that's that's the other measure we didn't just kick Penalties to keep in touch, um, like some teams have have relied upon, um, and you know we couldn't. We we didn't have the opportunity to do that anyway because not only the kicking was a bit poor, but really the conditions didn't suit it, and the All Blacks were very tight. Um, I think the the penalty ratio was about two to one for most of the game. They just weren't giving us those opportunities, so we had to do it with ball in hand. We had to do it with clever kicking, and um and I think the mix of Tamua. And banks, and James O'Connor, and then obviously Nick White and, and Jake Gordon's kicking. Um, that all played really well as a unit. They put the same players under the pressure of the ball in the wind, blowing back, blowing forward, you know, causing them to be short of, of where it was dropping uh, multiple times. And, and the chase was there too. So um, that 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 was a good composed effort by all of them to to keep the pressure on them after we scored points.
0: Absolutely, and look you you got to feel bad for Reese Hodge missing that um last sort of ditch effort kick coming off the post, but again, like this is a like we say keep saying these conditions um were ones which kickers were struggling all night and for him to come out it and to have to be his first sort of kick um after probably not kicking anything since warm up is it's a tough time
1: I um I actually heard that that. Goalpost has been removed and placed in the New Zealand Museum of Important Histories. It's a it's going to be a major feature in the next exhibition.
0: I mean, it definitely um, was a little bit biased that post. So uh,
1: I think it leaned in. I think the wind blew just at the right yeah, time. For yeah, I mean, it was just a, just a bit touch. curious
0: on what was going on 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 the inside <laughs> of it. So it's just leaned in. He,
1: um, he hit that post at least two-thirds of the way up, maybe three-quarters oh. from 60. Like, I know we had the wind behind us in that half, but that's still an immense kick. Um, when we talk about, you know, the sort of players you have on the bench and whether you go for, you know, a 5-3 or a 6-2 split and, um, you know, it is, is it as straightforward as half-back, inside-backs, outside-backs? Like, the the extra dimension of Reese Hodge as a utility with that kicking in his game, um, I mean that's that, that's probably enough for me. That I, I still don't think he's he's a guy we need starting. You know they could have put him at thirteen. They could have put him at fullback. I, I think the bench twenty three is probably where he belongs. Yeah. And having that in your in your arsenal late in the game, I mean it could have could have been the result. It was you know a ball's width in it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which would have been absolutely iconic, but. In the end ends as a draw, sixteen all still a great result. nine extra minutes exactly. maybe we should be playing ninety minute games because oh, those oh. last those last ten minutes were pretty entertaining
1: frantic back and, and the guys, forth. The guys were dragging themselves up off the ground, like literally you know making tackles, laying there and just like picking themselves up like no sh- one wanted to stop laying, playing though it was kilos, like no. Example. No, no, they didn't. But just you could see the fatigue. Like it must have been yeah. so hard to to lift for anything in those last nine, eight, nine minutes. And I think we made the right decision when we, you know, we were pinned yeah. back in, in our in goal basically. Like you, you can't risk it. I felt like we'd already risked it two or three times. And and the All Blacks were going to come storming back and win the game. Um, you had to make that that kick out. It's just you know, that's enough. We get we get more out of a draw than they do for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. So, take take the success. Um, yeah, it's it, like it just sets it up. It sets it up for the next game, it sets up the series, oh. it changes the balance of, of what we need to do to win the Bledisloe. Now,
0: and just the feel of this game had a feel of a proper old school Bledisloe. It's in the wind, it's in the rain, it's hard for it, it's low, sort of scoring, but the intensity is all there, and you can feel like the passion on the field from both sides. Um yeah, I, I loved it. I was very happy that I was able to be be there and be a part of it.
1: Yeah, that's a bit of history, for sure. Um, quick, quick question, uh, without notice, who do you think was the most sore the next day? Moanga. Moanga, <laughs> <laughs> because that poor bloke. Now this is oh. and this is where I, I have to I have to give ground. Matt Tamuwa does not excite me at twelve. He. I, and I think it, the way this game played out, it, it does sort of support my point that he's not the he's not the impact twelve you get in attack. But God, can he put a hit on? And he absolutely, you know, he put two new highlights on his resume in this game. Um, one where he, where he made Moanga spill the ball, and it was another turnaround for us. But Moanga just wore it all game, and. You know, between Angus Gardner missing the Rico Touchline step, the the late um it was a tupo, tupo, Vai. tupo yeah, Tupuai um indiscretion around the side of the ruck in in the extra time period, um, and these hits like they weren't they weren't ridiculously late, they weren't high, but they were you know they were designed to leave a mark and and yeah. make sure Moanga stayed in his box, and I think whether or not that was a tactic. Focused on him, uh, they were not as expansive in attack for the 90 minutes as they have been in many other games. Moanga was probably feeling a little bit tentative after the first couple of those hits, and I mean, I'd love to go back, fight if, if I had time in my week to to rewatch the game and really just focus on those moments. But I feel like Moanga became a lot more um, conservative and a lot more hesitant. Um, he definitely because wasn't the moment, running the like,
0: ball as much as he normally does.
1: No, that's right. He's lethal it's cutting through the line, and yeah. it just didn't happen because they they said we're going to hit you whether you have the ball or not. Like we're going to and we're going to do it legally. <laughs> we think based in quotations, yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't get penalized, so it's legal. I yeah, guess. exactly. But, like it, it, that that made a huge difference. So um, let's let's see what happens this week. I, I doubt either team is going to change their. Selections but because, you know, they're just you know, everyone earned their spot. What what do you, what um, do you, you
0: think be... of this New Zealand team? Do you think it's as strong as teams in years past? Do you think I mean we had Barrett sort of pull out late um, with mm. an Achilles sort of strain, Damon McKenzie take that spot. Um...
1: I think I think they are. Uh, people I question I, I don't think Shannon Frizzell is in their top three back rowers. Really? He, his... I, I I just don't I just don't think he is. I mean he's very very good, but I didn't see him much in this game. I I don't think um he he lifted to the to the level of this test like a lot of the other players did. Um you know, you can't you can't He definitely wasn't yeah, noticed.
0: as a highlight in this game yeah. like somebody so he's, else. he's
1: the least noticeable because Kane was Kane was
0: Kane was huge immense,
1: And and, yeah. um, and Arisavea was also you know don't he got he got more powerful as the game went on but yeah Shannon Frizell I think I think maybe someone a little bit more abrasive than Frizell um you know the way they were having their way with the ruck um someone like Papalii or um you know there's there's other players in their arsenal I think would add just a little bit more and if all three of those guys are working well together I think that has a huge impact on us because that's a weak spot for us um but I think it was more the conditions of the game and the way it played out with with our pressure on certain positions, like the the contact with Moanga, uh, the pressure on McKenzie, his inability to read those kicks in the wind and, and get himself under the ball safely, um, just just made him more hesitant. Geordie um, didn't really get a whole lot of opportunity because he was out on the wing, sort of you know really just used for his boot and the odd attack. Um, I think they left a lot um, in their toolkit. So this week, I suspect in good conditions, they'll be looking to be a bit more expansive and, and test us a bit more. Um, yeah. But no, I mean I, I think it's still their best team. I,
0: and the Bone and Barrett-Mawanga thing, we didn't see it this game, but still a fan?
1: I don't think he's as good at 15 as he's at 10, and putting him there is just, well, we need to have him in the team because he's so good. Um, I think it hurt them last year in the World Cup, and I think it's going to keep hurting them. Um, unless something changes it's it's just it's just painfully awkward to have two players of such high caliber and you can't put them both on the field um no matter what you do and in um that's that's I don't think that's a stronger team. I don't think Barrett at 15 uh is necessarily a stronger team. I just think McKenzie probably had a, a poor game. Not a poor game even, just a just a less um a less impressive game. Uh, by his standards
0: mm. the other the other position I'm really keeping my eye on here and it is in the centres, I just don't know if Jack Goodhue's a second five, I don't know if he helps unlock that back line I think it was an issue for the Crusaders um, and I don't know if it's going to help like we're saying, like these wingers failed to get their hands on the ball a little bit more. It wasn't quite as expansive. Was that just Moana? I think it's partly Jack Goodhue as well. He's not someone who can step in and spread the ball wide.
1: And their defensive pressure.
0: Yeah, that is definitely on top of it as well. I was, again, then surprised when Anton Leonard-Brown comes in and they put him at 13 and keep Goodhue at 12. So I think it'll be interesting to see that going forward.
1: You you were right in that selection though, I think we talked about last week and I was saying ALB and Rico. And I'm thinking that is, you know, in their own positions, that's the league combination, um, the balance of Anton Leonard Brown and delivering to Rico to you know, in space. Um, just yeah. you know, putting his putting his palm in people's face. Like I agree. I think they're probably running more of a two thirteens combination there, so it's it's a bit, it's a bit odd, um, but you know Goodhue Goodhue's a, a very steady um, player who's been around that international that team for a long time now. So he's learned from some of the best too, alongside guys like Ryan Crotty. True. Um, it's, it's it's unfortunate that I just think that this game they they definitely got contained by our defence. The weather didn't um, really aid expansive rugby the whole game, and and I, I honestly think their game plan was not to be too expensive.
0: Yeah, they wanted to come in, I think. Recently conservative and waiting for our, us to make errors and capitalize it as they did in the first half. Looking forward to next weekend, you got Eden Park, um, absolute fortress. Wallabies have not won there in 32 years. Initial thoughts: Do you think any selection options change? We've been hearing a little bit about players like Jordan Patea being 100% healthy now, Dane Hallett Petty potentially the same. I've heard some whisperings about Jordan Uelisi impressing off off the bench and potentially pushing for a starting spot. Do you expect to see any change in the starting fifteen? And then we can discuss bench as well.
1: Uh, I, I don't think you change the starting fifteen, presuming everyone's put, you know pulls up healthy and and fresh enough to go again. Um, in the starting fifteen, yeah, the the only area which maybe And, again, I I don't think it changes much to do it. Um, Are you worried about the front row? Was James Slipper effective enough uh, at at loose head there? Would we be better off with Scott Seo? Those guys were so interchangeable through Super Rugby AU that, no, I don't think you do gain a significant amount from that. I think those guys just suffered um, from the way the, uh, the referee was managing the scrums. The, the early push is not just the front row anyway, but, you know, the work rate out of Luke Khan and Matt Phillip, the, the back row balance, you've got to reward these guys. Like, you're making a small change, which, you know, are you really adding that much more of a particular skill set by by making an adjustment? I think these guys now have a have a little bit of history. They're going to be, you know, starting fresh again. If they're fighting fit, they're going to be feeling, you know, the, the result from the previous week, know what that, first 50 minutes felt like as a unit i don't think i don't think you can make changes even if those other guys are fit
0: yeah i wouldn't be looking to make changes the the question like if you asked me last week before the game i would've said yeah okay you, you put jordan Patea back into 13 but Paisami's done enough um you don't take people out when they're getting some momentum and the belief i think in that group of guys is is so high at the moment that they'll be so keen to come come into Eden Park and have a really good showing out. Um, whether you change, whether you give someone an option like Patea coming onto the bench for someone like Noah, which uh, would be a bit of a shame considering Noah didn't get a chance to get on the field um, in this one. Maybe that's something you consider, but the same way you're talking about Hodge, and I think you you keep Hodge there um, for exactly the reasons you've already sort of outlined. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be changing anyone.
1: Yeah, the the bench stays for me. I, yeah, yeah, the only one is uh, actually. There's probably two. There's probably two. Um, was Rob Valentini what you needed late in the game? I'm such a big fan of Liam Wright. I just I just need to see him in there somewhere. I I wish he was. I wish he was starting. But um, you know, someone like Pete Samu will have to have a pretty bad game to cause that to change. Do you need more? Um, more ruck management late in the game. I think that's what Liam Wright adds more than Rob Valentini. Um, so that's that's a consideration. Um, the the Patea question, yeah, look, are you going to use Lalesio in these games? Like, uh, barring an injury to Matt Tamua or James O'Connor, are you going to put essentially a debutant on at 10 for the last 15 10-15 minutes, mm. when most likely you're going to be in the fight this entire time, I, I just I just don't, I can't think of a scenario where you'd really put in Noah unless you're like 20 points ahead, and even then, like...
0: Or 20 points behind.
1: Yeah, yeah, or 20, but yeah, I, I guess so. It's it just, I mean, that feels like um, if you're putting him in when you're that far behind that the game feels out of reach, like you're trying to Expose him to a bit of that level of rugby, but it's also a capitulation. It kind of feels like, all right, well, we're, we're going to preserve these other guys for next week, and it maybe it's something you should be doing. Mm. Um, Patea, I think, potentially adds another piece of firepower, and you expect Tamur and O'Connor to play out the game. They're both, you know, seasoned guys, experienced, and uh, ultimately, if you really had to, you could move um, Tamur to 10. Would you rather do that and have someone like Patea available than be forced to put Noah in if O'Connor gets hurt 15 minutes into the game? You know? I, I just, Realistically, I can't think of the situation where you'd actually want to have Noah on there for 60 minutes mm. uh, facing the All Blacks. So those are probably the only two things. I don't think at Petty usurps Podge or Banks. Um, looks Rennie to have to have massive, massive wraps on uh, Patea at 13 or at Petty at 15 and the guys would have to know, look, they're not getting selected because they're injured, you guys are in, um, for them to flick the switch and put them back. So I think these guys all get rewarded, and I think it's deserving, I think, minimal changes and and take that momentum into the second game.
0: So what do you expect out of the second game then in terms of scoreline or margin?
1: Look, I think think the All Blacks remain favourites, obviously. I think the margin, so my original margin was... Ten or twelve, and then feeling like after the team was selected, I pushed it out to more like sixteen. Um, I feel like the guys have proven that they're they're better than that, the Wallabies at least. But I do feel like the All Blacks left a lot of a lot of tools unseen in this game. And on a dry track, um, you know, now now they've been together for, for eighty minutes and and all the the build up. Um, I don't think they leave anything behind because they can't afford to draw or even lose this game. Um, this is going to be all out. It's going to be a real, real tough All Blacks uh, match. I think they're going to be pulling out all the stops. So, look, I'm going to say seven because I think the Wallabies have earned the respect uh, and deserve that mm. and not, not not to be predicting a blowout. But I think there's a real risk that if we are, um, you know, if, again, Game one plays out differently. They score at halftime. They then come out and score after halftime. And all of a sudden, it's like 21 to 3. Like, there's absolutely a storyline where that happens. And we need to be rock solid in defense, knowing that the All Blacks are probably going to come out. And this time, they're going to be out to, to make a point. Whereas, I think we were out to make a point this week. So, be the conservative team. Defend well. Don't chance your hand unless it's really on or you've got the advantage to do so and, and, and make sure you understand where the referees are sitting on a few different factors, you know, really, really take on the game once you've got that uh, yeah. comfort and, and keep them from scoring late in the first half.
0: That's it. And it will be again, because there's going to be talk this week, there's going to be push to, you know, keep Mwanga safe from late hits. There's going to be talk about the scrum callings. as Already been talk about them targeting Nick White, sniping around the corners of the ruck. So it's going to be a different game altogether. They're going to come out and it's going to have a different feel to it. So taking the time to understand that and take advantage of the leeway that you're going to get in certain areas um, and adjusting for that is what's going to, going to help you. But I, I think you're right. I'd, I'd even say it's probably still more like 10 points at Eden Park in front of a sellout crowd.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath again. Um it's really hard off essentially one data point, one game to to project what's going to happen in the second game because how much of the first game was the All Blacks holding back? How much of the first game yeah. was the Wallabies doing a few things that, you know, you, you look at Nick White's sniping particularly in the first half and there was a period there where I think he sniped three times or well, not quite consecutive phases obviously because he was tackled but he basically went one after another after another. And the third time was actually probably made the most ground. The All Blacks are going to look at that and go, okay, well, we need to make sure we're defending that. Is that a red herring? Is that a, we do this in game one and then we, you know, we do it a couple of times early in game two and then we back it off. We try and reinforce, give them positive reinforcement for what they've seen. And then all of a sudden they're committing more guys around the ruck and we make use of the the, uh, the extra numbers out wide. Like, that so, so much of this should be viewed as part one or four. So what you do in the first game is maybe it's a, a sign of what you're going to do in the rest, but it's also maybe a bit of a red herring, a bit of a bluff that you put out, and then teams start you know putting too much weight on one game and, and mm. what happened and preparing for a particular uh, tactic to be employed again, and then the Wallabies flick you know, complete opposite um, I hope that's the level the coaching staff are thinking at because there was definitely some trends in that game, which you know, they I, I would, I would expect that All Blacks will have to do something to counter um, because they weren't totally all over it in game one, and and if they do, you can now take advantage of where they've softened their defence somewhere else.
0: I really like that, and I really hope Rennie's sort of thinking that idea of this is a one of four, so this is how you you start off, and you need to have a few different ways to sort of lead. Um, lead the All Blacks astray to then capitalise on mistakes down the track. But again, it's it's not the absolutely best start that you could have, but it's very much close to having a draw in New Zealand and knowing that you have two games at home to finish off this four-game series to hopefully win back the Blood Is Low. Obviously, the second two games in that are part of the Rugby Championship, and we're, we're still getting sort of these bits of news coming out from South Africa about skepticism whether they're going to be there for the start of this tournament now they're now saying that maybe they're not going to have played enough sort of rugby they're not happy to sort of come for the very start of this tournament in November and they they're thinking that they're going to delay and only be there for sort of the the second half of this tournament and i think i think sansas now starting to have to scramble because they've been given sort of this sort of late sort of inclination from the springboks and I don't I don't know what's going to happen here but it'd be very much of a shame if the springboks decided they they weren't going to come for a full rugby championship
1: yeah there's there's reasons why I guess that, that I understand that um, as a as a fan you you're always disappointed if, if fixtures don't end up going ahead particularly the the run of double headers um, as a as an attraction uh, for For rugby Australia hosting these matches would be fantastic, like I was looking at all the different combinations with friends to to see what what we could make happen and seeing seeing the final the letters low would have been awesome, but now that 's at the start of the rugby championship yeah. they're going back to back with with the All blacks here in Australia, and then we don 't really encounter them again uh, at all and then for for the South Africans not to show up I mean on the current on the current rugby championship. It effectively go All Blacks the week before it was all supposed to start, then All Blacks, then bye, then Argentina, then Argentina, then South Africa, and then nothing. <laughs> so it's it's a very disjointed combination. It's like playing mini series against each each uh, team. You play a couple against the All Blacks, you play a couple against Argentina, you wrap up with one of the Springboks is just a, a one shot wonder. Um, yeah, and and and. Not not to not to get all the double headers in uh, I think it was gonna be Brisbane and ANZ and Newcastle yeah. possibly, or maybe it was at Parramatta, but um like yeah, it's a real shame. But you understand why these teams are proud, skillful, um they, they want to show up and, and not be under prepared, mm. look silly, you know, potentially suffer some injuries if they're really not um sort of physically prepared. For the for the intensity of the encounter, um, I, I guess in these times everyone's got to be pretty flexible. It's yeah, it it does kind of feel like when you hear those things come out in the news, it does kind of feel inevitable that that's what's going to happen. Like the All Blacks were upset about the Christmas thing; they they worked out a way around it. The South Africans are now saying this is a good chance that that's going to be the way it goes. They won't they just you know they just won't be here as many ways you can create the excuse and and it just won't happen.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean the the positive note to come out of this is they already sort of talk about um ways around it and ways to still have a full sort of feeling tournament whether that's by adding someone else into the fray as well to um sort of substitute in for those springbok games early whether you get a, another a second Australian team or a Pacific nations team coming into it um, the similar way the Eight Nations have sort of done that with um, adding in some teams to try and help bolster up this tournament. But, yeah, it does make it very difficult. And you're right, South Africa's been there watching Australia and New Zealand having their own Super Rugby tournaments, um, which they've only just been able to launch with um, Super Rugby Unlocked um, starting off this last weekend, um, uh, full tournament with all their super teams uh, plus their Pro 14 uh, teams plus extra in terms of the Greekers, I believe, as well. Um, Pumas and the Greekers, as well as some extra teams, which which has been kicking off um, last weekend. And so they're going to have a few weeks of that. Opposed to that, you have the Argentinian teams who have already made it to Australia. They're planning to do their warm-up games in Australia. They've got a squad together. Um a squad that now seems to be enjoying Australia quite a lot because they've had a few signings from the Argentinian internationals to the Western Force that continue to make waves, signing more and more players to this big squad that they're, they're putting together for 2021.
1: Yeah, the Western Force recruitment and um, and scouting squad must be uh, must be very well equipped with private planes and uh, interstate visas to, to move around and, and go wherever they want. Um, they've they've picked up a lot of the incumbents, um, which is excellent. Like, again, the continuity of players in that side is huge. So, to have Cabelli backing up prior, to have uh, Montoya now, you know, presumably fighting it out with Andrew Reddy, who's re signed. So, yeah, so and, and they've got uh, Jeremy Thrush. Yep. And they've got. Um, Kahui. Carhouy. Kahui, that's right. have got, They've Rob got back. We're going to see some more John O'Lance. Rob Kearney so from, yeah, well. from Ireland as well. like this is this is a, I mean it's it's turning into a bit of a barbarian side. um yeah. bringing a lot of experience, a lot of different, um, a, a lot of different competitions experience, and a lot of different levels. Like you got Irish lions, you've got, um, you've got like Japanese, you've got. Um, obviously all the different European competitions, a lot of different Australian guys. Like, I, 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 this, this is just further foreshadowing that the force have some sort of future. There's, there must be some agreement uh, within Rugby Australia that they're going to have games to play against real opposition because not all of these guys are at the end of their career and just looking for a way to keep playing. Uh, a lot of them are, but not all of them. Mm. Um, you know, they've got Byron Ralston back. He's a young live wire winger. They've got Jack McGregor at the back as well. Like, those are guys who maybe showed enough to get a contract somewhere else. But they're hanging around because there seems to be a pathway for them. So, uh, you know, excellent. All, all things to look forward to for 2021. long way to go before we get there, but um, all good things for the force.
0: Absolutely. And the thing I really like is seeing some of these Argentinian guys come into the australian and super rugby competitions because it was a huge shame well it looks like that the haguara is the sort of dead and buried it seems like for at least the the near future um and to lose all these guys to the northern hemisphere again would be quite a shame i'd love to see a few more of them sort of spread themselves out through super rugby um in other sort of aspects it all started with kibeli back in the day um, joining the Brumbies and how sort of interesting and um, good that was is a bit of a storyline there. You'd love to see a few other sort of names popping up and around and I'm sure it helps the Argentinian teams as well um, to know a little bit more about their opposition come Rugby Championship time.
1: Yeah, very true. It's, uh, it's the inside man. Absolutely.
0: We'll check in in what's going on in the Northern Hemisphere. When Toby um, joins us back next week, he can give us a bit more of an update But we've got enough to focus on down here anyway. We've got Blood is Low 2, Eden Park, Sunday, 4pm kickoff New Zealand time, 2pm Australian East Coast time. Make sure you're tuning in on what could be a historic day. In any case, it's just one more chapter in this storyline of 2020 rugby. And the the newest chapter in two coaching sort of histories between Foster and Rennie here, who's going to take first blood, the first ends with a draw, both of them would be looking for their first win as an international coach right here. It'll be interesting to see. But we'll be back next week. We'll we'll give you all the extra notes on what's going on with selections, with Sansa and the Rugby Championship coming up next month. Make sure you're tuning in and keeping an eye on our Instagram and Twitter at Running Rugby Podcast and at Running Rugby Pod respectively. We will see you next week. Keep on running. Run.